0: A lot of seemingly ranch jokes out there this week.
1: Seemingly ranch? Mm-hmm. As in ranch dressing? Yes. And is this all centered around Taylor Swift? Yes. Oh, okay. So what are the, are the it's jokes? It's because of fami- Are these filthy jokes? No. Okay, so and this is we Heinz fifty-seven is introducing a new ranch and and ketchup. Which Product. is not
0: a new invention,
1: by the way. No. Ranch and ketchup. The ranch revolution has happened. It is we are now. It mm-hmm. is now normalized. It has been for decades. There are those like my cousin who were on the ranch train since the nineties, right? Um, and and ranch is delicious, and mm-hmm. I have no problem with it. But I don't get the Taylor Swift ranch. So there's a
0: there was a Taylor Swift fan account that posted that she was seen eating a piece of chicken with ketchup and seemingly ranch.
1: Oh, I see. And
0: people just fell in love with that
1: description of what she was eating. So it went very viral. You know, I I want to say that I respect that person who described it like that. Because that is a crucial mm-hmm. thing. Because it could have been blue cheese. And that's a totally different animal. Totally different. And that would tell you a lot about her personality. If Taylor Swift was a blue cheese and ketchup person... That's pretty radical. That means she's capable... Well, they weren't
0: mixed. If you look at the plate, she has the ketchup and the ranch separate, and then the chicken, which, I mean, like, that's what our kids eat, so it's not exactly high cuisine, but...
1: But it's probably the most... Popular single food in America is yeah. the chicken nuggets. Kind of like
0: Taylor Swift is the most popular I, person. Exactly, on planet she Earth. is chicken She's, fingers. Yes, right. yes. Yeah, somebody called her on Twitter the last bastion of pure white girl culture, and it's sort of like that is what she is. Like that's so just like such a normal American girl type of thing to eat is like chicken fingers and ranch dressing.
1: Uh, you know what? That that is. Uh, it's that very is pure. Interesting. Not only that, but she's up cheerleading for the football star. Yeah. That is really... Um... But
0: they're not the only ones. Hines is not the only ones who did this. I also... I, um, I'm i signed up for text messages from various brands. Do you ever do that? Like marketing text messages?
1: I don't recall signing up. I For some reason, Asa Hutchinson is all about talking to me. <laughs>
0: well, that's about politics ones. But... Um, but I sign up for the ones for various brands just because I kind of work in that field, and so I like to see what places are doing. So brands that I buy from, I do sign up for their text messages. But um, Primal Kitchen—that's which-
1: right. Primal- Taylor Swift uh, video from at uh, the when she She's- was eating
0: came- seemingly ranch.
1: Well, well, this one, and we'll talk about this right after we get to talk about what you're about to talk about. This is her cleaning up her table. Did oh, you see this video? I did not. It's a I huge thing because she cleaned up after herself all all of the trash and cleaned up for everybody in her area mm-hmm. um uh, which is talk about
0: I think that's a very millennial thing too to tidy up your table
1: well I know but it's not a diva thing yeah true so that is very remarkable like she is t- that but she's a good girlfriend to the football player
0: <laughs> yeah so
1: there you go but um primal kitchen also hey what about okay. this What about this take? She's also, isn't it... She's also... This is not like a music recital where Taylor, we all know that she's good. This is a recital in front of the football player's mother. Hmm. That's why she's cleaning up. Because at the end of the day, the football player's mother still wants a good...
0: Her son to be dating a good girl.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Not a... Crazy wild pop star. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I was gonna say, so Primal Kitchen, which is a brand that I get their text messages, they make those um keto paleo dressings.
1: You lived off those during the week when we needed. They're
0: great. A lot of them are delicious. The Caesar mm. I love. Um anyway, so they sent a text. That says, uh, cruel summer is over. Ranch girl fall is in. Primal Kitchen has entered the seemingly endless ranch conversation with our delicious limited edition dressing drop. Primal Kitchen seemingly ranch. Inspired by the Taylor Swift era tour, we're also hand making seemingly ranch friendship bracelets and sending you a pair free with every bottle.
1: Oh, my God. So that's it. A-
0: <laughs> so every brand is and everybody's trying to get in on the Taylor Swift magic.
1: So did they so but they used her. They actually mentioned the Eros Tour there.
0: Yeah, and they did friendship bracelets which is her and yeah, they tagged her too in the, the Taylor Swift Eras Tour on okay, so that, Instagram.
1: That's a that's a that's a thing. So I guess like I guess we are too in the sense that the, we're, we're talking about her. And the podcast, you know, she'll be in the t- well she won't be in the title of this, but she'll be in the description.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I mean and but it's America's obsessed with her, so like, anytime she does anything, apparently even eat ranch dressing, it turns into, like, a massive news cycle that everybody's trying to capitalize off of.
1: So I assume that this would be, the, the move would be now to try to get some Taylor-adjacent stuff, like Olivia Rodrigo. You know, because Taylor Swift essentially is maxed out, essentially. Mm-hmm. and like Olivia Rodrigo Dua Lipa and the uh, where are the I Taylor think, knockoffs by I the way but I don't think
0: but I think Olivia Rodrigo is a Taylor knockoff but I think it's very difficult and you know this because you're a Beatles fan it is very difficult to replicate that kind of organic massive popularity um, in an artificial way I mean like you can do it to an extent
2: yeah, obviously
0: the, the, the monkeys can... are like well yes absolutely you know, that, where's that where's, relatively the, where's the Ashley Simpson? But there's, but yeah, but the, there is like, but there is the, Olivia Rodrigo, No, but right? Olivia
1: Rodrigo's more like uh, sexy crying. You know, that's her thing. Where Taylor's wholesome, like she said, you know, guys, girl, t-shirt wearing, you yeah. know. Where's the, I mean, there should she be a She wears short skirts,
0: I wear t-shirts. Exactly. There should Captain be a blatant knockoff of,
1: of her. In, in, like a- i mean taylor swift that's a perfect name you know Mm -hmm. for that everybody born in 1989 was named taylor especially in that part of the country but something like that you know i was going to say like a good uh, equivalent name is Brittany, but that's also that's been ruined
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean but i think i think they try to replicate it madison
1: yes I Where's they- Madison Brooks? Although that's probably a porn star, but th- that's exactly. But the,
0: there's, I think they try to replicate it, and I think Olivia Rodrigo is she's hugely inspired by Taylor Swift. Yeah, like she's said that clearly, and you know, I think she's tried to, but it's it's tough. It's tough to for corporations to figure out what the magic formula is and copy it, even though they would very much like to, you know, and everybody's trying to. Like, draw heat from her flame a little bit, Mm -hmm. clearly. But, you know, you just, when you're around something like that, that's happening culturally in the moment, you can kind of coast along with it and try and leech off it as much as you can. But you can't, people can't artificially create those, I don't think.
1: I may have found some controversy.
0: Found some controversy.
1: Did Taylor actually do an elitist disservice? because it makes it look like the the like housekeepers in the suites hadn't kept up with the empties with the trash. And maybe she got them in trouble.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, I don't think so. I think people like it. I think it's nice. I mean, they had a whole football team in there, right?
1: Did they? Is that no, that no, this p- is that's no, not this that is, place. The, this is the, this is the box. The football team was on the field at this time. Oh, this okay. is the box in front of the mom.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know then i don't know i thought this was when they rented out the restaurant but i don't i don't know so but um yeah i think that like if she can make ranch dressing sell somebody just texted us to say that the jets tickets are selling out even though they have no quarterback right now or whatever because they're playing the chiefs so taylor swift is going to be there so or people assume she's going to be there so everybody's buying jets tickets
1: but yeah that's hilarious (laughs) oh my goodness matt oh can you imagine that's what happens to the NFL? The stands so get just filled wherever the with, Chiefs go, with that 24-year-old just... <laughs> chicks who would, like, pay no attention to the game.
0: <laughs> they're just looking for Taylor to do something and yes. they're all wearing Travis Kelsey jerseys.
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness. That would be hilarious.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, because his jersey sales are up a bazillion percent. I'm assuming ranch dressing is now going to have a cultural moment or seemingly ranch dressing that we're all going to talk about now. And... You know, it, you can't artificially create that kind of cultural cachet that she apparently has right now. But anyway, so that's um, that's the ranch dressing story. Um, but there's also another sauce that um, that's starting to be a thing, which apparently has been a thing. I, It's a D.C. thing, but apparently it's also tied to Chicago. So maybe you know about it. Have you ever heard of mumbo sauce?
1: Never, mumbo sauce. Mm-hmm. Negative.
0: Um. So the this is apparently a DC thing. There's a a documentary coming out about it. Um, and it's been a sticky red staple of DC's carryout scene. Uh, it's the city capital's condiment. Locally, the spelling of mumbo sauce is a source of debate, and tends to vary. Some spell it mambo, like the McDonald's sauce, and other times mumbo. They mean the same thing um and regarding the chicago connection while many know the sauce to be a mainstay of dc a chicago-based company actually owns the brand name mumbo sauce select brands has owned the trademark registration since 1958 stocking the sauce at chicago eateries and selling it in a bottled form although the windy city sauce formula is different and used more like a marinade than a condiment huh capital city mumbo sauce filed a petition with the patent and trademark office to win ownership but lost
1: i see i've never i don't recognize this at all
0: so but anyway there's going to be a documentary coming out about it apparently it's linked to african-american culture in dc hmm. kind of and culinary stuff but um mcdonald's is coming out with one a mumbo sauce so they're doing it as one of their sauces and they're doing some kind of um Sweet and spicy jam sauce, also. So these are both going to be limited edition sauces coming out in October. I'm a sucker for McDonald's sauces. Like, well, you're I a like barbecue th-
1: sauce person too. So I that's like barbecue this sauce, is.
0: but I like like Thai sweet chili sauce, and I like this. and every once in a while, McDonald's will come out with a bunch of. A few years ago, well, really, probably like fifteen years ago, they did a whole thing where they had a whole bunch of different sauces, like new sauces to pick from. Hmm. And I really love that. I like different sauces. Because I consider really the food, especially french fries, to be mostly um, just a method of a eating sauce. So, you know, if you come out with new sauces, to me, that's like, you know, new varieties of food to try with my french fries. I agree with you there. Um. So, but apparently um, this is coming out and Mayor Muriel Bowser doesn't like mambo sauce. So she's apparently caught some flack for saying that she thinks it annoys her and <laughs> <laughs> alienated for some voters. But yeah, don't mess with people's sauces. People take that stuff seriously.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm happy that, although, you know, it's funny, the McDonald's ranch is tastes a little off to me. How I so? mean, it, it just tastes a little plasticky. It, tastes, it doesn't taste right. I'm They're,
0: suspicious r- of any sauces that are like egg- mayo-y based mm. that come in non-refrigeratable little individual packets they well, creep I- me out and you've been known to save a mayo packet for like years mm-hmm. that frightens me like i don't i do not like yeah. that. i
1: don't ask questions about that but i know something bad is happening but,
0: but, <laughs> but, but, like, but well for- those things are specially sealed like same with the creamer cups mm-hmm. in restaurants and stuff all those things are specially sealed to Supposedly, not allow like any air or germs in. Well, yeah, and, and I have to be been shelf stable over whatever I have period of time. I've been smitten by
1: sauces that my my sauce smiting came, um, not not processed cheese sauce, which we'll talk about, but um, with um both wing it in Brighton and Wings Over Brookline in mm-hmm. Brighton, which we we may have ordered when we first started dating, um, and with the Kens. Uh, buttermilk ranch to hmm. to dip um, chicken in it was the best thing in the world.
0: See, I'm a traditionalist on that, which is that with and I don't really even like wings, so I guess I can't call myself a traditionalist. I like boneless wings, aka ch- coated chicken nuggets, but um, I don't like them with ranch as much as I like them with blue cheese. When I <laughs> totally when I go to animal. Buffalo Wild Wings, I like my blue cheese.
1: It's a, blue, blue cheese is harsh. Ranch is, is a sweet,
0: but it goes really well with the spiciness. Yeah, the I thing. understand;
1: it's fine, and I've I've done my time with blue cheese, and I respect it. But it is a harsh departure. And blue cheese, I think, was is I think it's been supplanted by ranch because blue cheese was the original with the original buffalo wings, which is what they had on there. You know, some to kill mm-hmm. to cut the burn. Right. But um, yeah, I'm a I'm a, a ranch guy.
0: Okay, and you wanted to talk about processed cheese as well. Taco
1: Bell celebrates the tenth return of nacho fries with large size and vegan nacho sauce. Vegan nacho sauce. Um, this is in Food Beast, Dallas. Mm-hmm. The taco. This the author of this is Reach Guinto. The first name is Reach. He looks like a guy who should be writing about food. Taco Bell has just announced a tenth comeback of its fan favorite nacho fries, and is celebrating it with uh, a nacho vegan nacho sauce. And it's it's gorgeous, um, um, processed cheese. I love processed cheese. I think it's delicious, the, you, except for some like cheese whiz is rubbish. Get away from cheese whiz. But processed cheese a lot of times can be just absolutely gorgeous. This at Taco Bell, I look forward to this. It's gorgeous. Obviously, dipping French fries in. Just give me. I mean, that I've always considered it liquid gold. Um, and Fuddruckers. I mean that's a winner. You you can have unlimited. It's self served nacho cheese at Fuddruckers. Get a little burger and just really fill up the pl- the bowl with cheese and have to, and just eat it as a soup. Greatest thing in the world, broccoli and cheese soup, even at uh, like uh, Stop and Shop. But or broccoli shop.
0: and cheese soup can be made with real cheese.
1: Well, sure. Yes, I'm sorry about that. So I, I should be. I should say um, processed or liquid cheese. I think is the greatest stuff in the world. I think uh, there's always a place for nachos at. My favorite nachos in the world. Well, one was at Anaheim Stadium where the Angels played. They may have destroyed that stadium. I don't. I don't even know if it's there. That I had in 1992 when I lived there briefly. And then in the late 80s, um, at the Riverwalk in San Antonio, nachos mm-hmm. were fantastic. And then the uh, San Diego Zoo nacho stand was fantastic. <laughs> it's from the early 90s. Yeah, yeah. Don't. No, these were all oh, so gorgeous. Makes
0: me feel like we should get out a map with thumbtacks. Yeah, in all processed Mark cheese. Mark Tom's historic best nacho cheese experiences oh. across America.
1: Well, and that was a time when this wasn't ubiquitous. Nachos were not a thing up here, you know, until mm-hmm. they were. And even that aisle in the in the supermarket was a tiny aisle. My mother was a weird outlier because she was a stewardess, so she flew all around the world. When she was coming home with chips and salsa. Well, it was weird. Like the salsa containers were very small because Americans just didn't eat a whole lot of salsa at that, certainly up here in the Northeast mm-hmm. at that time. But yeah, uh, processed cheese—I'll always love it. And which is with Steve talks about the um, 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 Orange Julius. In the, mm-hmm. for me, it was at the Meadow Glen Mall in Medford. Orange Julius with nachos—unbelievable Un- that they had nachos. You were allowed to have them. Oh, so gorgeous! So
0: gorgeous. Um, I want to revisit something we talked about episodes and episodes ago, which is um, we had talked about how Olive Garden is bringing back the endless pasta dish. Uh,
1: yes. I know about this. Once again, you and I have never had a su- successful Olive Garden trip together. Mm-hmm. I only went to Olive Garden once. That was in 1995. I went with my friend Keith and his friend Eileen. The closest one was like up in southern New Hampshire. And I don't know why I went, but all I did is drink Rolling Rock beer and had no, didn't eat whatsoever. So I, my Olive Garden experiences have been minimal.
0: Yeah, me too. But I do kind of want to try the. Well, maybe you shouldn't try the uh, unlimited pasta deal because mm. um, it's thirteen ninety nine. It's unlimited pasta, and it comes with unlimited salad and breadsticks. And some people were saying that they were paying like on average about three fifty per plate of pasta. Which is like for a restaurant pasta, that's a good deal. I mean, obviously, you can make pasta cheaper at home, but for the restaurant experience, but then I was seeing an article that was saying like you should tip more than you know a standard twenty percent on your endless pasta meal because the waiter's obviously having to bring you more than thirteen ninety nine worth of food
1: well true, but it's it's it's, it's like, there's nothing to it. Obviously pasta is, is very cheap. Um, and the it's not, it's, it's probably something that the waiter can go and get him or herself as well. It's not something that you got to say, Oh, we well, need a pasta here at Olive Garden. Obviously if you're having unlimited pasta night, there's a big trough of pasta back there. Well, yeah,
0: but I mean, you're making the waiter go back and forth for more food when like ordinarily you wouldn't be. And you're paying a lower price, which means like, you know you're making them go back and forth instead of ordering a $20 entree where they have to get it one time you're ordering a $13 entree where they have to come back to you, your table four times you know and so what you're going to just tip them like 2 bucks on that
1: it seems kind of unreasonable now um yeah i guess so i guess if you if you if you're taking the waiter's time server's time then you should keep that in mind. Keep that in mind if they're marching back and forth.
0: And I think anytime you're getting some kind of special deal or discount, you should keep it in mind when you're tipping too. Because I see that debate a lot on, you know, various uh, like restaurant eating Facebook groups and stuff. Like if you have a gift certificate or if you have a Groupon deal where it's 50% off your meal, like you should tip based on the original price. Like if you have a special 50% off one-time coupon for the restaurant you should and you get a $100 meal for $50 you should tip the waiter as though you got a $100 meal. No.
1: Yes. Yes, uh, that's a that's a fundamental truth. Obviously you do that. Obviously. Yeah, you do but know. I
0: think a lot of people don't for some reason.
1: Uh there are so many but Do you remember during the pandemic when the restaurant owner we knew told asked people not to use their gift certificates? Yeah, because they really needed business.
0: Yeah, they needed real money. <laughs> can you imagine?
1: Can you imagine? The pandemic brought brought out the worst in a lot of people. I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah. Uh, can I? Uh, we have an audio message.
0: Okay, we can play the audio message.
2: Hey guys, I agree with you. I think that eating in a grocery store again goes along that sense of entitlement that a lot of people feel like they mm-hmm. have. And when you look at our population, and unfortunately there are plenty of homeless people out there, you see a lot of them outside of supermarkets, uh, in the intersections at stoplights, looking for money so that they could buy food. And you never really see a lot of homeless people walking into grocery stores, picking things up and eating them because they're afraid that they're going to be Arrested for shoplifting, mm. and I mean, as a last resort, I'm sure a lot of people do, and I know in a lot of those sanctuary cities that they just walk in and steal what they want. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you have money and you're able to buy food, it's just an over entitlement where you feel like you can eat while you're in the grocery store, it's just uncalled for. Thanks, bye.
1: Yeah, and we have talked about that. I also want to just as a matter of, and I think on the on the merit Steve's right there. That yeah, just like don't be so self indulgent in gluttonous that I need to you know p- lower grapes into my m- my mouth my mouth this moment. It but also on another part of this, mm-hmm. it's also just gross. I, I don't want to see or hear anybody chewing. I don't want to hear anybody slurping soup at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's needs to stop giving away soup samples immediately. I don't want to hear any more rich women um, who are with Range Rovers or Volvos parked outside slurping soup. It's so disgusting. I actually am against like the sample industry in general. Oh, I like the food court um oriental chicken stuff asian chicken stuff i can oh, do that all well, day no
0: like when people are standing out there with a tray of already made samples that's fine what i'm saying is people who like at ice cream places oh, yeah, where they'll give you a tiny scoop and they're like can i try that one can i try that one yes you and should then, be in, top, that, in that in, should be illegal that's terrible It seems unsanitary to me, first of all, even though I know that they're using the individual spoon, little tiny spoons, and they're not like reusing them. But why do you get to have like one-off spoonfuls out of the main thing?
1: Yep. But also, like, what are you three? (laughs) It's gonna the cherry blossom ice cream is gonna taste cold, sugary, and the essence of cherry. You know what it is. It's yes. going to throw you way off? Whoa, the banana tastes like tarantula. I can't believe... No, you know you what it's going to be. You know what coffee ice cream is. Right. You're an adult. Like- just get it. Roll the <laughs> dice, okay? And just that is, You're right. That is terrible. That is an entitlement thing. That is a pain in the you- rear end for the people trying to sell ice cream. Scooping ice cream sucks anyway. I went through advanced, rigorous training at <laughs> Haagen-Dazs before I blew them off. And the woman yelled at me. And it ordered me to show up for work. <laughs> Even though I got another job, and ordered me to give back my several shirts for different chips, <laughs> I had several shirts. Oh, she was really mad at me. Um, but, but scooping ice cream is difficult. So like, don't, no more samples of anything. It's terrible. That said, when a restaurant brings you something for mm-hmm. you to try without being asked, yeah, that is the most charming, seductive move ever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: ever. And there used to be a restaurant, the Chinese restaurant. I forgot what it was called at the Hojos up next to Fenway, P- Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. my brother and his his crew was very they were friends with the guy who ran it great place and and he would bring experimental dishes like jalapeno rice out and things like that. oh, it's gorgeous lovely that is a that is a high compliment in the world of cuisine mm-hmm. a high compliment in the world of cuisine. Oh uh, another thing I want to bring up, Alice is that. In the world of cuisine, looking at the Smithsonian article about foods American once loved to eat—turtles, mm-hmm. beaver, beavers, eel soup—yeah, you don't want to start eating this country till the twentieth century. This is bad news. Even I
0: mean, like- I, d- I think that's true for like most of what most of the human race ate for most of history. No.
1: Um, yes.
0: Is, like, people have eaten whatever they could to survive for most of human history. And, like, some places on Earth still eat like that. And America did, as you point out, up until not that long ago. Um, and it's, you know, it's nice to have better options. So, you know, with, yes. the, with the grocery store inflation, we may be back there soon. But,
1: you know. Jellied eel, old mm-hmm. eel pie. It's... Have you ever seen an eel in action in the water, like a freshwater eel? I
0: mean, not in nature, but like you don't want to be
1: any body of water, any body of water in this country that contains an eel needs to be nuked.
0: So, if society collapses, you're not going to be bringing home eel for me to make into pies. for I your will family? be dead. No, <laughs> no, not you're
1: issue. not, because I'm prepared
0: for that eventuality. Even though I don't want to roast
1: beaver eel. tail. That's pretty low, too.
0: They said that in the article, I've never tried it, but they said in the article that it's like eating pork rinds, that it's all fatty and delicious. Yeah,
1: no, thank you. That's like the Pope's nose and a turkey. No, <laughs> no, no, thank you. No, thank you.
0: Well, you know, desperate times. But but I think we don't acknowledge like how poor people used to be not that long ago. The,
1: well, but also know. there was no refrigeration right and no stores <laughs>
0: <laughs> right but that's but that re- is reflected in your general prosperity and your food options yes like even the humble bodega is represents massive prosperity that we enjoy nowadays in the United States it's really incredible and it's an incredible feat of modern logistics and everything that all this stuff makes it to store shelves all across America and you know, in, in the way that it oh, does yeah. with all the packaging and ever, It's magic, really, is what it is. It's There's no yes, it word for this it. Yes, it is. This is the
1: time to be alive. By the but, way, one thing I do want from uh, 200 years ago is Perry.
0: Mm, Before, we, so we have our Baby Champ Perry sign.
1: Yes, but the Perry is not available in any packy. I can't find it anywhere. Or Baby cham. I don't even know that it exists anymore. Mm-hmm. Before beer took off, the preferred alcoholic beverages of choice were apple or pear cider, the latter of which was known as Perry. Mm-hmm. I guess pear, pear, Perry. Makes sense. Uh, This interest partly stemmed from the fact that settlers didn't have as much expertise when it came to beer brewing, and cider proved easier to make. Cider ingredients, namely the fruits required, were also conveniently on hand, given the orchards the settlers had planted upon arrival. Thanks, Johnny Appleseed. Yep. Although the pears did prove more challenging to grow than apples, made in late fall because of the cooler climate was conducive for storage and fermentation. Perry was a sweet, crisp beverage. It met its demise in the early 19th century when German immigrants, here you go, introduced lagers, which became a more popular alternative. Interestingly, although hard apple-based ciders have made more of a comeback in recent years, pear cider has fallen somewhat into oblivion. That's right. No more Perry.
0: Hmm. Wow. You also sent an article about how mutton has fallen out of favor as well.
1: Yes. And I don't even know what mutton is. It's, it's sheep. Cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Right, mutton has fallen out of favor, and it was, after World War II, that was the end of mutton, which is too bad, because Mm -hmm. sheep is lamb, is it not?
0: Well, mutton is the grown-up, so it's like the difference between beef and veal.
1: Right, okay. Is
0: mutton to lamb.
1: I assume it's good, although it's kind of like eating a dog, I think. Mm -hmm. After World War II, mutton fell out of favor in the U.S. Uh, Can it make a comeback? Uh... Let's see. Uh, yeah, but I- old restaurant menus from the New York Public Library archives tell a t- different tale about the mutton's desirability. And a 1915 menu from Francis Tavern in New York City offered broiled English mutton chops with baked potatoes for a buck fifty. Uh, RMS Titanic, uh, grilled mutton chops, uh, lamb chops. I, I mean, we've had. Oh no, I guess that's sheep chops. It. Ta- I think it would be delicious. I welcome it. Mm-hmm. And you're reading. you You've got a Bible. That you're coming
0: through. <laughs> I won't let I'm through. So this is really important to me, actually, because I do want to be prepared for any eventuality. So, and one of the things that I love that you don't is old books. But this is like one of my most treasured possessions. Is that my mom gave me specifically um, a Joy of Cooking that's an older edition. Mm-hmm. So this is the um,
1: is this Julia Child the Irma Rombauer,
0: okay. Marion Rombauer Becker. Um, the sort of the really the cooking Bible of America, the joy of cooking. This is not Julia Childs is French cooking. So that's like more classy, but this is really like the art of American cooking essentially. But, um, but she specifically got me an old edition so that it would have this. I was trying to see exactly what year this is. I think this is a 1953. This is a 1953 Joy of Cooking. Mm -hmm. And she specifically got me one like this so that it would have all that stuff in it. So this doesn't just have like how to make deviled eggs, which, as you know, is one of the things that I do. Um, But it has like how to, if your husband brings in a sheep that he killed, like what to do, how to cut it up, what to do. And not just there's like charts of where to cut everything up. And, you know, when I've, when I killed and cooked one of our chickens, actually a rooster technically, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I did it the civilized way and used YouTube, but you never know that might not be available someday. So I have the hard copy right here of how to cut it up, how to roast it, how long it, should cook what temperature it should be all that stuff how to cut up the animal and I not only have that but I have the directions for how to cook um sweetbreads brains kidneys liver heart tongue oxtails etc I don't know if there's beaver tail in here that might be pre-1950s I don't know if in the 1950s the American housewife was doing beaver tail but yeah but lots of like tongue recipes liver patties liver loaf braised heart slices creole kidney stew i mean lots of great recipes in here they are ready and there's this whole like heading on this section too which like i feel like with the prices in the grocery store we may be heading back to this um today's skeleton shamelessly revealed is apt to be the housekeeper's slenderized pocketbook faced with the responsibility of producing meals that are nutritionally sound acceptable to the family and not noticeably economical economical she may as well feel as broke as the ten commandments her marketing <laughs> jaunts find her just eyeballing around as far as luxuries are concerned and the question foremost in her mind is how to vary her menus without increasing their cost she knows no substitute for a juicy steak or a glistening roast for there is none she has little chance of emulating the french who pity us for our limited range of gastronomic enjoyment by using less expensive variety meats like brains. this is like well written Kidneys, heart, tripe, tongue, etc. For This has tripe recipes in here, too. Ooh. For serving these meats frequently, it means the re-education of family taste. A suggestion on my part is that they be tried, uh, usually meats with a vociferous and virtuous, why my husband wouldn't eat that stuff. Since that stuff is relished by countless thousands who have thrived on it, it seems reasonable to Give it a trial, Charles Dickens said. Her hair was false, but it deceived no one. So don't try to coat the pill. Serve these delicacies and let the chips fall where they may.
1: So, how cool! My goodness! Before Irma we go-
0: Bauer, hang on, but I'm not done because there's also in here a section, a whole section on game meat too. A poultry and game meat. There's guinea fowl in here. How oh my goodness! Guinea fowl, which are considered game meat. There's also like how to dress and cook squirrels, rabbits, hares, nice. fricassee. So. Fricassee. What's a fricassee? Fricassee, I think, is like a fried up type of like, stew or fricassee of rabbit or hare, sauteed oh, okay. rabbit. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of directions in here. Venison. So, I mean, I think that's like great to have pigeons. Yes. If you ever need me to cook a pigeon, I will have
1: access to the resources. you got a lot of seagulls around. Um, here too.
0: I have anger tips. I assume those are like pigeons. I don't I know. I
1: assume people are eating those seagulls. <laughs> Yeah. We well, you
0: may be the way grocery store prices yes. are going, so you never know. But I'm ready for that.
1: Well, here's the story, Alice, of why mutton went away. Mm-hmm. USGIs were fed canned Australian mutton during World War II, which by all accounts was just awful. Um, I am told, this guy who wrote this says, I am told that someone's uncle or father came home from the war and wouldn't allow sheep meat in the house. They never wanted to see it again. It just completely fell out of fashion. Now, listen to this. The fact that mutton ever even rose to the ranks of high culinary fashion in the U.S. is nothing short of a miracle. The infamous sheep and cattle wars took place in western states like Texas, Arizona, Colorado, and Wyoming. In the 1800s and 1900s, they threatened to bring the sheep industry to its knees. Shepherds, who were generally Native American or Latin American, required a free range and plenty of grass, which uh, often left cattle subsiding on weeds and fighting for the same territory. Cattle farmers, who benefited from the support of government officials, viewed sheep as invaders. Armed conflicts ensued, leading to the shatter, slaughter of sheep and men. So that's the Great Mutton Wars of the 1800s. Is why we the sheep lost, and we are now um, forced to eat um, hamburgers with um, with um, with um, Beef. yes, exactly.
2: I hate nostalgia Cause I can't climb up that hill Without thinking your name I hate nostalgia still think about you It's been so long I'm so lame I hate nostalgia Hope you hate it too Hope you wonder What am I doing And who I'm pursuing I hope you think I lead. A really exotic life the way I think about you You probably have a wife of your job And you go to church on Sundays and barbecue on weekends Out in your backyard And sometimes think about me